Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Well, we often talk about the American dream being alive and well on this program because we believe it is. Uh, however, there are a lot of Americans who aren't feeling it, uh, especially in minority communities. Women in many areas uh, are often discouraged in their pursuit of dreams, assuming they, they just don't have the right qualifications or just can't break through a glass ceiling or a bolted door. And our next guest, uh, one familiar uh, with all of you here in the state of Utah, a friend of the show, uh, former Representative Mia Love, uh, who, of course, is a CNN correspondent as well. She weighs in there on a regular basis. She's also the National Outreach Director for the Center for Growth and Opportunity at Utah State University. And uh, as I said, she was the representative for the 4th Congressional District in Utah. She has a new book out uh, that I love. Uh, it, this is one of those that you both have to read, but you also have to listen to it. Uh, hearing it in her voice is uh, such a powerful way to get the story uh, and to me, the images are all around Dr. Martin Luther King talking about his children being judged by the content of their character. The book is called Qualified, uh, and I would add qualified by the content of your character. Uh, Mia Love joins us now. Mia, thanks for jumping on. Hi, Boyd. How are you? I'm so excited. Uh, it's, it's great to have you on the show. And so give us the backstory uh, of your story and uh, what you hope to do uh, in your new book, Qualified. I have to tell you, it was a labor of love. It was a lot of work. Anybody thinking about writing a book, I just want to warn you how much work it is. It's a lot of work, but it was worth it. And I guess that's my story, right? Putting yourself in uncomfortable positions and getting yourself comfortable there. That's what leaders do. And if you want to get a message across, if you really want to help the American people, help your community, help your family, you have to use your gifts and your talents for the betterment of the betterment of society, not just for yourself. You have an obligation to do that. And that book talks about that. It, it, it's really interesting because I wouldn't have made the decision myself to run for Congress because I would listen to the voices out there. I mean, I would be asked all the time, what qualifies you to be a member of Congress, even though I was a mayor? Um, I had executive experience, and I was on the city council. I had legislative experience, actual experience in working with people, listening to people, um, working on and zoning a city, making sure that you know people people didn't lose their freedoms, they didn't lose their property rights, actually protecting people and their property rights. It was, I mean, it, I think. These are the things that more than made me qualified. And also the things that you think are you're ashamed of in growing up. I grew up incredibly poor. I grew up with my parents speaking English with a very, very heavy accent. Um, I even talk about some of those things in, in the book where my mom yelled at me in the grocery store with a very heavy Haitian accent. And I ran away and she would just yell at me. 
Mia, get back here right now. And I can see my friends looking at me, and I'm like, I'm either going to get it at home or I'm going to get it in school. Which one would I prefer? And I bolted. Oh, <laughs> uh, And that is one of the powerful things uh, of your story. You, you do go back to those beginnings. Obviously, your parents' story in Haiti uh, was such a significant part of that, their quest for freedom. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I want you to take us through. There was one uh, chapter in the book where you talked about your connection uh, with uh, Cedric Richmond, uh, a Democrat and across mm-hmm. the aisle friend there and a member of the uh, Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, but you were walking back after the State of the Union. Uh, and right. to me, it was one of those qualified and leadership moments that I think we all need to hear more about that take place in Washington. It's, uh, it starts. It starts with what we talked about. They all go together. They're linked together. In other words, People told me not to join the Congressional Black Black Caucus, that it was going to be horrible for me, very uncomfortable, because they're hardcore Democrats and they would hate me, not just because I'm a Republican, but because I was because I'm a black Republican. They would hate me. But I joined anyway. And I made friends there in that unlikely place. So much so um, we walked back from the State of the Union and he asked a very important question, Mia. You and I see eye to eye on so many things. Help me understand why you're Republican. I don't get it. Why are you Republican? And I said, because um, seeing what my parents went through, where government kept them down from everything, the dictatorship, they couldn't do anything. There's no free markets in Haiti. There's no capitalism in Haiti because everything is owned and controlled by the government. You can't make a life in Haiti. You can't, I mean, you can't be an entrepreneur. There's no such thing. And I said, as a mayor, I found that the best solutions, the most efficient solutions are found at the most local level. I was able to take care of my constituents a lot faster and a lot more effective as a mayor and as a city council member than on the federal side. It was a lot easier. And And I said, and he said, and I said, what makes you a Democrat? And he said, because living in Louisiana, having my ancestors from there, it was actually the local government that kept us from being able to vote. Mm -hmm. It was the local governments that were hosing my um, ancestors down with these water canyons. It was it was uh, the local governments that were beating us when we would march. And we had we we actually were able to see things. From another perspective, I got it. I got, I got why he felt like he he, he said it was the national government that finally yeah. gave us gave um, gave them the right to vote, um, gave them the right to be able to uh, march, protest peacefully. So I, I got him, and he got me, yeah. and then we started looking for things that we can work together on. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. I love that. That's such a powerful thing. And, and to just get that perspective of he obviously saw that the federal government was the answer and your parents had experienced that the federal government was the problem and the opposite with the, the local. And, and uh, that's such an important thing, I think, for us. The perspectives are so important. Uh, I want to dive in quickly, Mia, to uh, something that you talked about in the book. Uh, the one, It's so refreshing. Uh, you're so honest and open uh, in the book. It's it's courageous vulnerability at its finest. And you actually talk about uh, something that I think a lot of people deal with, uh, and that is the imposter syndrome. Uh, tell us how you mm-hmm. experienced that a little bit in your time in Washington. Well, it's, again, it's interesting because from the moment you step onto the floor, you step into that hearing room, or you step into the Congressional Black Caucus, people will test you. They'll test you to see what they can get away with. Every time, when I gave the speech, at the Republican National Convention, I was told, don't mess this up, Mia. Don't mess this up. This is really hard. You will be remembered forever by the speech, whether it's good or bad, so make sure it's not bad. I mean, I, I don't trip. Don't fall. Don't trip on your words. Don't say the wrong thing. And I remember thinking to myself, am I, am I capable of this task? This is way too much. I've never done this. This is way too much responsibility, too much pressure. One person actually told me, you have the whole state, you represent the whole state of Utah, which meant that if I had one hiccup, one mess up, it would ruin my state. It would be, <laughs> and so it was a lot, it was a lot of pressure. And so I thought to myself, I'm not capable, I'm not able to do this. And when I did this speech and I did it from my heart, I prayed. I remember kneeling on that bathroom floor and just praying and saying, Lord, your will, not mine, your words, not mine. Let me, I mean, help me to just be up for the task. Yeah. And I just remember thinking to myself, I am qualified to do this. I, and people, I mean, I had some people that were like, that was surprisingly good. And I always had to rise to the occasion. I always had to make sure I set the standard and I didn't go below the standard of that very, you know, what I thought was um, at first, I thought I, I was lucky. I got lucky and I did well, but that wasn't luck. It, it was just because I, I put my faith into it. I put my heart into it and I spoke from the heart Yeah. and that imposter syndrome, unless you realize where your power comes from, that imposter syndrome can take over and yeah. you think that you're just fooling everyone. That's right. But uh, my voice, my voice came from the people that I represented in the state of Utah. My voice came from speaking from the heart, knowing that when you spoke, it would resonate with people because you're not reading a piece of paper. You're speaking about things that you believe in and that you are passionate about. That's where my voice came from. Yeah. And it, and I led with my character and I knew that I couldn't get it wrong as long as if I led with character and I was using my voice and I knew where my voice came from, it would be okay. Even votes, I knew where I needed to vote as long as I was leading with character. Yeah, uh, so important. Such an integrity. important, 
such an important story, mm-hmm. su- such important principles. Uh, so if you're looking for a great read or a great listen, if you're an audiobook person, uh, this is one that you need to get. And if you have anyone in your world uh, that maybe is holding back a little bit, that isn't uh, really going playing big, uh, on whatever stage they're on, uh, Qualified uh, by Mia Love is uh, a book that will give you that perspective, that hope, and that confidence uh, that you are qualified to step up to the challenge and, and make a difference. It's actually in the, the ones who don't think they're qualified are the ones that are most qualified <laughs> yeah, to do the job because they can relate to people better. The ones right. that look in the mirror and say, I'm qualified to do this, I should do this, are probably the ones that shouldn't. <laughs> That's right. We, that, that goes back to our and, principle of if you have to declare it, you're not it. <laughs> so. And it doesn't just come from public offices. You know, I am the National Outreach Director for the Center for Growth and Opportunity at Utah State University. And these are students that I get to empower that do research on policy, immigration, tax policy, you name it. I actually put them in front of members of Congress, in front of the speaker, in Love front it. of people in Washington for so they could repre- so they can do presentations on their research so they could feel, they could know and feel that they could do this, that they have an opportunity and they have a voice uh. also. And so it's not just your voice. And leading doesn't just come from elected office. It, you could actually find your voice in anything or any, in everything that you do. Uh, I'm really proud of the Center of Growth and Opportunity and the fact that I get to be on CNN. So my voice, I'm not done speaking with my voice. <laughs> I have so many opportunities to continue to go out and, and be a contributing member of society. Uh, do whatever I can to make my community, my family, my state and my country better. Uh, fantastic. Mia Love, CNN correspondent and the National Outreach Director for the Center for Growth and Opportunity up at Utah State University, former representative in the 4th Congressional District here in Utah, and author of the new book, Qualified. Uh, check that one out today. Mia, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. I think you really will enjoy the book. You really, I mean, it is, I get very vulnerable, <laughs> but... But it's not for me. That book was not for me. It's for the betterment of society. Uh, it's for all those people who do not think that they can that they can serve their country. You uh, all, you all can. I really hope you enjoy it. All right, great stuff. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. More inside sources coming up next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.